Hello and welcome to Cage Club. Two fans, 84 movies, one cage. This is a special bonus episode, an end-of-the-year wrap-up from your friends here at Cage Club. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. We're, do- we're recording this for two reasons. Number one, we thought that there was going to be far more <laughs> Cage movies out this year than there actually turned out to be. Yeah, at least two more, right? Yeah. Mom and Dad, and then the one where he's smuggling his family over the border. I, f- I always forget the name of that. The Humanity Bureau? The Humanity that that Bureau. Yeah, I get it confused with the Matt Damon movie the adjustment bureau <laughs> well i did see mom and dad we will get that soon as we're recording this a trailer just dropped so that's not too far away i saw that at fantastic fest no spoilers but we thought we we're gonna have a few more movies especially after last year <laughs> when we had like three movies in december yeah. we're just like oh yeah we're done you know there might be one more and then we're like boom 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 and then we had arsenal like the first week in january and so it's just like we are on this incredible streak and then here, we've got three movies this year, which for any other actor would be a lot. But for Cage, we're like, well, we were expecting five or six or seven. So what mm-hmm. happened? Yeah, it was a little strange. It was a mad rush after like August. It seemed whenever Indianapolis came out, after that, the floodgates were open. I mean, he even yeah. was in Snowden, which was in theaters. So he yes. had a movie in theaters last year, which was great. Unfortunately, it didn't show up on the big silver screen this year. But yeah, it even ended so strong with Army of One, you know? Like, that was such a great surprise at the end of last year. Yeah, it was a little lacking this year. The movies maybe weren't of a high caliber either, but I still feel like Cage was uh, pure Cage when it came down to it. So this year we saw three new Cage movies. We had Arsenal, Inconceivable, and Vengeance, A Love Story. I mean, to the outside observer, three bad movies. (laughs) To us, three pretty good Cage performances. To me, one amazing movie, and then two, and then one I will never see again, and then one that I might watch at some point. But man, (laughs) the highlight for me this year, I can tell you that much, is Inconceivable. Who boy, I love that movie. Yeah, I could tell when we were recording that episode, like, you just gravitated right towards that one. It's all the stuff you love about kind of bad movies, like, all wrapped into one there. Yeah, I enjoyed it, too. It wasn't my favorite. I, I really have to go with Arsenal, even though it's a terrible film. Oh, man. I know, but, you know, it's sort of like the spiritual sequel to Deadfall. It's, sure. He's playing that character again, Eddie. He's acting opposite one of his actual brothers. Yep. Who, uh, directed Deadfall. You know, there's just a lot of, like, Cage history kind of wrapped up in that movie a little bit. So for me, I, I would actually just rewatch the Arsenal for the Cage bits. I would rewatch Inconceivable too. I had a fun time with that. But as for Vengeance, a love story, I don't, I don't know if I'm ever getting back to that one. That was just sort of fine. I mean, the Arsenal is the one that I never want to see again. We will watch it again at some point for Cage Club Revisited. And that's the other reason that we're recording this today is because right now you might be listening to this in Glasgow. Over in Glasgow right now, there is Cage-A-Rama 2018. We have some new friends over there, some uh, Scottish friends, some Cage fellow Cage fanatics. They are screening six Cage movies, three per day on back-to-back days. They asked us to record a little bit of something for them. If you are listening on our feed, you might already know this, but if you're new to the podcast, Mike and I, like the summer of 2015, started watching every Nicolas Cage movie from the beginning three a week and doing podcasts and written reviews for each. The pace nearly killed us, <laughs> but we soldiered through and we finished in January 2016. And then since then, we've kept up with his new releases. You know, everything he released in 2016, mm-hmm. everything he released 
2017. As you're listening to this, everything's going to come out this year as well. We have seen everything Cage has done. Uh, We have since gone on to other actors, like we did a Keanu Reeves podcast. We are now on Charlie's Theron. Another friend of mine who has been on, who was actually on the Inconceivable episode, he and I have done podcasts about Zac Efron, about Channing Tatum, about Ryan Gosling. I encourage you to find everything that we've done at cageclub.me, cageclub.me, and you can see all the podcasts. They're all up there to listen to. They're all free. Uh, but the reason you're here today, the reason you're listening is because of Nicolas Cage. And, you know, Mike, I, I, we, we've done a lot of different things, but I've got to say, he's still my favorite. Oh, absolutely. Me too. You know, it's funny, like, to this day, when people ask me my favorite actor, it's like not even, you know, there's no choice. I'm like, Nick Cage. In- right. Instantly. Yep. Instantly. Yep. Like, I, yep. I would have thought maybe towards the end of the initial run at Cage Club, kind of what partially happened with Keanu Club, there's a, I got a little tired of Keanu at the end there, mm-hmm. but Cage, I like crave more Cage, like all the time, <laughs> it's so strange. I deny myself watching his films when they come on TV because I want to like save them for special moments or things like that, yep. I don't want to just pick up in the middle. The pace that we went at was breakneck, I don't think that was very smart. No. And those written reviews kind of killed us too along the way, we don't... Yeah, we, have, we have since stopped that for sure. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, with with good reason. But I'm always just, like, amazed about how I'm not tired of the guy. Like, if anything, there's not enough cage for me on the planet. <laughs> like, you know, like, that's, like, why I think we were saying about him only coming out with three movies this year. Like, we know him as a workhorse, and we're kind of expecting yep. that stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. so not to have that much cage this year was a little rough. But, you know, I have high hopes for 2018. And, you know, I'm right there with Mike in terms of wanting more Cage, which is why we are now going back and re-watching all of his movies and doing live commentaries over them in the form of Cage Club Revisited. We're getting better at them, I think, once we introduce some games and sort of figured out how to not be quiet while watching a movie. You have <laughs> yeah. to sort of talk over the things you want to watch. We are doing those every other Thursday, right here on the regular Cage Club feed. The original intent was to go back and see if there were other what we call Cage Nections, connections to other Cage films, before we knew that they popped up in other things, mm-hmm. like the red sports car yes. uh, from Never on Tuesday, fan favorite Never on Tuesday. We have sort of grown beyond that just to sort of talk about whatever we want to talk about. I mean, it's really mm-hmm. just 90 minutes or two hours of us babbling about whatever. But we've also introduced Cage Club Bingo, yes. which I encourage all of you to play. That's We have bingo cards available for free download at cageclub.me. You don't have to use the bingo card while listening to us. You can just print it out and then use it whenever. So Exactly. Pretty cool stuff there. I think it's just a party game like if you just want to have some friends <laughs> over and watch a cage movie print out some yep. bingo cards play along while you're watching like I'm really glad we stumbled across that because yeah like the revisited stuff is the reason why I don't just like sit down and watch a cage movie from time to time because I know right. that we're rewatching them together and and I just like that concept I think at first we tried to do proper DVD commentaries like with facts and things but quickly realized that that's not really possible with every movie there's just not as much to talk about with everything again so the newer ones just seem to sort of the movie is like a launching point for conversations and then we just talk about whatever so it's more just like if you want to come and hang out with us and watch a movie with us online like I feel like that's what they're good for. I don't encourage you to use these bingo cards in the theater, but as you, if you are at Cageorama and you are watching these movies, I mean, just, you know, you could take a look at the cards and just see, like, oh, Cage is standing on something weird, or he's <laughs> overreacting to something, or he just punched a woman. Like, all these things that pop up in Cage movie after Cage movie, check them off, 
get that bingo, celebrate your victory. And that's what's so amazing about his movies and stuff is that there's enough reoccurrences to warrant like a bingo card and like yes. <laughs> and like different options for different bingo cards. The craziest thing and one that neither of us found out until we had uh, Cage author Lindsay Gibb on the podcast, and she might be oh I know where you're going with this dropping something into the Cageorama festival. She said, "Hey, did you guys notice that he shaves his face in like 12 or 13 movies?" And we were like, "What?" <laughs> and there he is shaving his face in like a fifth of his movies. Like it's crazy. Yeah, it's to the point for me where I see other actors shaving in other movies, and I'm like, "That's Cage's move." Like Stole it from Cage. Yeah. Yep. What are you doing? You can't do that. So yeah, so at Cageorama, we have they split it up into two days. Mike, I don't know if you saw the lineup, but they are doing on Saturday on the first day. They are doing Cage the Fighter, okay. which they're doing The Rock Face Off and Con Air, and then on Sunday they're doing the gentler side of Nicholas with Cage the Lover. Valley Girl, Moonstruck, and Raising Arizona. Ah. If you've listened to our Cage Club episodes, I've made one thing abundantly clear over and over again. It might be my biggest revelation in Cage Club. My favorite Cage is Rom-Com Cage. I love him in these movies where he's it's the softer side. I mean, I love The Rock and Con Air and Face Off. Like, who doesn't love those movies? Especially if you're at K-Drama. Of course you love those movies. To me, it's movies like Moonstruck or Valley Girl or It Could Happen to You, which might be my fa- <laughs> one of my favorite Cage movies. Like, And then even, you know, my favorite Cage movie, maybe my favorite movie of all time, Wild at Heart. I mean, it kind of combines both the gentler side of Cage, the loving Cage, when he's just saying to Lula and it's like there's no other people that exist in the world. It's that's the thing that I want to see him return to instead of what he's doing now. I love that gentler side of Cage. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, I, I remember your reaction with It Could Happen to You because I had seen that movie once before, but I think you were really caught off guard because, like, <laughs> even in stuff like Valley Girl and Moonstruck, like, he's still kind of, like, aggressively, you know, he's still kind of, like, aggressive in those movies. Like, yeah. he, you know, and even Raising Arizona where he's, like, a criminal or he's, like, a tough guy or all that kind of stuff. But with, like, It Could Happen to You, he's, like, genuinely the sweetest, most gentle guy. Like, he's a police yep. officer, you know? He's, like, yeah. walking around the street helping old ladies cross the road and stuff. Doesn't but... he deliver a baby in the open? <laughs> he delivers a baby, yeah. I agree. Like, what I love so much, like, Cage the Fighter and Cage the Lover, right? they really just show his versatility and, like, yeah. how honestly he can do both things. And they're so far apart from each other when you think about it. Like, some actors are stuck doing action for their entire career and others are stuck yep. in dramas, you know? But, like, Cage proves that he can swing back and forth and that he can really deliver in all of that. Like, he's great in all those things like Family Man, you know? Like, mm-hmm. showing his father side. I know you and I want to see him play a parent more often. Like, that yeah, was something... Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to get that in Mom and Dad, so that, that's going <laughs> to <that's> happen <laughs> in a big way. We got it a little bit with Matchstick Men, too, where we yeah. see, like, that fatherly side of him and everything so that was something I knew that he could do but watching these movies again and seeing more of them for the first time like really cemented in my mind just like how well he's able to play all that stuff. The reason we picked Keanu Reeves to follow up Cage is because we thought that his type of movies, the diversity he shows, the kind of fun movies he does would match Cage. But watching his 72 movies (laughs) prove that's not the case. Like, what's really, truly remarkable about Cage, and this is what I'm saying, is that he's interesting in just about every movie, if not every movie. He can do any genre, whether it's Cage the Fighter, Cage the Lover, family side of things, you know, sports movies like The Boy in Blue, Mm -hmm. war movies. Like, it's really amazing how the movie's not always good, but he's good 
in them, and he can sort of do anything. And I think, you know, another podcast that you and I did, Mike, that was sort of a limited run, I think the closest thing, closer than Keanu mm-hmm. to Cage, would be Shia LaBeouf. I think that Shia can do as sort of the negative as the publicity and hype is around him sometimes. I think that he's a remarkable actor, and I think that in terms of the diversity and the intensity and like the interesting factor that he does, that he chooses to do, I think he's the closest thing to Cage. And you have, you know, the big blockbuster movies like Transformers, which might be why some people see them, but then you have movies like Fury and Charlie Countryman, and like these mm-hmm. movies, and you know, my favorite movie from last year, from 2016, American Honey, like, he's just so good in these things. It's that quality that Cage and Shia share, that they're able to exist in any world, and I think that's why, you know, at K-Drama, it's so cool that you guys are splitting this into two days, because it's like, yeah, there's two sides of the same coin, but, like, actually, it's not a coin. It's like a D20. Like, there's just, like, there's so many faces to Cage. He mm-hmm. can do whatever. Just reminded me, I remember when we were doing Shia, like, we started, you know, with his most recent stuff and worked our way backwards mm-hmm. and came to find out that, like, most of his more recent stuff is really interesting and challenging. Really, and really brought, good, yeah. We brought up Cage, like, several times, right? Yep. We're like, wow, like, he could have pulled this off, this roll off, or that roll off so that was really interesting to see I totally agree with that I kind of feel a little bad for Shia uh, from time to time because of his public image and stuff but his work is really good too yeah it's you know something about like Keanu that I noticed while we were going through that like he isn't quite as versatile in the way that Cage is in that like right. he's more of an everyman like I remember what stuck out for me with Keanu is period pieces like he just doesn't yep. he just feels too modern like he doesn't he's always Keanu yeah 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 like he doesn't feel like he belongs in the past whereas Cage you know like anything from the Cotton Club or like you said Boy in Blue or Captain Corelli Captain Corelli you know uh, Peggy Sue like he fits mm-hmm, into mm-hmm. all those worlds perfectly instantly and that's why I think yep. the number one role I've always wanted to see him play is a is a cowboy like in a western you know because i feel like that's the one place he hasn't been yet and he'd really fit really well in the old west i mean he's even that one hating christensen movie where they were like you outcasts. Know, outcasts in asia right during like the turn i don't even know it was like a thousand years ago but still he worked yeah. as a desert bandit you know living in the mountains and stuff <laughs> You know, I just don't feel like any of it comes across as forced. Like, sure, from time to time, he's grandiose. Time to time. He is grandiose. (laughs) You know, he is a big actor. I feel like it takes those swings to achieve this kind of thing like the idea that you belong or the the feeling that he fits in like it's because like in a way it's almost like he makes himself fit there and you know i have to whenever you talk about cage in a western i have to bring up the other thing that i want to see cage do is cage in a musical Mm. i mean we know that you know if you're listening to this at cageorama and it's saturday you know from the rock that he is a beatlemaniac that he loves music you know he hasn't been in that musical i think he's he's sung in movies he sings in the beginning of The Family Man, I think. Oh, yeah, a little opera. He's always close to music, but he's never really been in a full-fledged musical, and I would love to see that. We got so close with one scene in The Best of Times. There's, like, that car wash dance yep. sequence, and then there's Well, the there's one... the car wash dance sequence, and then there's the supermarket. And the supermarket. comb as an instrument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I think when we rewatched that for Revisited, it was apparent that he could yep. do song and dance stuff, too. Definitely. <laughs> Before we wrap up, I do want to talk on Cage the Fighter, the, mm-hmm. the, the Holy Trinity, as they're calling it, these three action movies. Absolutely. I don't want to say it's a turning point in his career, but like he had just come off the Best Actor Oscar for Leaving Las Vegas. He's about to do other movies that we really like. 
just another shameless plug for another thing that we did in 2017 was we interviewed Marco Kiris, who is Cage's stand-in from 94 to 2004, basically. So he was on set for these three movies. These are the movies. <laughs> Somehow the schedule lined up that when we were doing three a week, these three all lined up in the same week. It was like the best week. I thought I knew how to rank the three of these, but it turns out I just love them all. Yeah, I mean, I think we did actually try and do that on the end of the Matrix episode where we were, like, yeah. running through our favorite action stuff. But, like, reflecting upon that and those choices, it's like, no, they're they're all interchangeable for me, to be quite honest. Like, it's a Sophie's choice on an extra level because she only had two kids to pick, and these are there's three <laughs> kids. These are my triplets, I feel like. But what, like, amazes me about these movies is all the other star power in it. Cage, right there, like, as a star, you know what I mean? Like... The Rock has Sean Connery, for crying out loud, but it's still a Cage movie to me. It's not a Sean Connery movie. Like, you know, I feel like he's better in it. Face Off has the Travolta. Cage blows him out of the water, but Travolta at the time was considered the bigger star because of his bright Pulp Fiction resurgence and everything. Con Air has, like, just about every big action yeah. star of the time in it. Cusack and Malkovich. But Cage stands apart. Like, I feel like yep. he's elevated in ways. Uh, he's just so great in all three of those movies. And this is also very tricky. I feel a lot of times with an action star, maybe it's Bruce Willis or The Rock, I feel like they're not playing different characters in each of those movies, that they're just being themselves a lot of times. Right. I really feel like Cage is doing three and at and face off four, uh, you know, if we count that <laughs> twice, completely different characters in each of these yeah movies, which is great because it just makes them distinct from one another even more. Absolutely. If you are at Cagerama and you're listening to this, we hope that you enjoy whatever movies you have left, either today or tomorrow or whenever in the weekend. If you're listening to this on our feed, thank you so much for listening. We will be back in 2018 for every release that Cage does. We've got lots of exciting shows to check out at cageclub.me, so make sure you go there, check out all of our different pop culture podcasts, mostly movies, but also nostalgia, Got some comic book stuff coming out this year. Lots of different things for you to check out. Cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, and at cageclubpod on Twitter. And all those links are at cageclub.me if you forget them. So just check it out. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time on Cage Club.